dummy that don't believe in science Written on your forehead, always be denying You're the dummy that don't believe in science Written on your forehead, always be denying Hey, hey, hey Episode three. Episode three. I've got my wine glass full of ginger ale. It's a good day. I've got my water bottle. I'm ready. We're rolling. How was your week? You know what? My week was really good. Yeah? How was your week? It was good. It was really busy and long, but we're here. We've made it. We have... I I have some cool news. Oh? Yeah. Okay. So, since Julie and I live together, most of the news isn't really new news. But I did something really cool this week. What'd you do? I So, I've been working on getting scuba certified. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I was taking a class. And when COVID happened, we kind of needed to put it on the back burner and I finally started taking the classes again and I am well to get certified you have to do four dives Mm -hmm. and um I got to do two of them this week that's so cool yeah so we just went up to the homestead crater in Midvale Midvale? In Utah? In Utah. Yeah. Midway? We're in Utah. Yes, we are in Utah. We said that. Oh, yeah. Midvale? Midway? Is it the same? I don't really know. I don't remember. One of the two. We went up a canyon to a crater in the ground. That's so cool. It was awesome. And... Honestly, one of my big goals with getting scuba certified is being able to help out with ocean cleanups. Yeah. And I felt so accomplished to be able to to start working on that. But so cool. let me tell you, I my soul left my body. Yeah. I am not a fan of deep water. Mm-hmm. And I think... The fear stems from not being able to see below me and just that th- the thought process of there's creatures down there, there's sharks down there. I watched a movie a while back with creepy underwater mermaids. Jaws. Like Jaws, <laughs> Megalodons, just... Sharknado. We, Sharknado. There's all kinds of fears in there. Yeah. And in the crater, the crater was so cool, but it's it's this dome with this hole in the top, and that's the only source of light. Mm-hmm. And it's just dark, just darkness down. And so I'm swimming in the water, just looking down, thinking the cave sharks are going to get me. And I know there's no cave sharks, but... What if there, there were? Could be. What if one decided to show its ugly face today? It's it's this hole. 
And so I'm swimming and I'm just trying to think there's nothing in here. Nothing's going to touch me. I'm my instructor's right there. I'm just following him. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my instructor thought I was absolutely crazy. Just off my mind crazy. Yeah. Because I was glued to his elbow for two hours. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have been happier. That's so fun. Yeah. I'm so glad that you went and did that. It was definitely therapeutic. Yeah. And overcoming my fears. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Good job. That's a bucket list check. Yeah. And so I've got, I know. I've got two more dives to do mm-hmm. and then we'll be good to go. I'm so excited to get back and do that because I was doing that with you. Um, but I've just been really busy with work lately and I travel a lot for work, so I haven't been able to, um, get recertified yet or not recertified to finish my certification. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm planning on doing it in August. So fingers crossed. Um, but I really can't wait to get up to the cave. I've heard such cool things. So I'm also kind of nervous like you, but I think it'll be really cool to overcome that. If I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Sweet. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. What about you? Anything cool this week? Um, Like I said, I was just really busy with work. Um, Me and Celia are working on getting the podcast up off the ground. And so we've been kind of working on that a lot after I've been off work. And um, I have been working on the website. So that's been kind of cool, like trying to figure that out. I've never designed a website before. So it's been a new adventure. You guys, it's so cool. I'm so excited about it. I hope you guys like it. Yeah. Um, But in other news, earlier this week, well, last weekend, our roommate had some symptoms of COVID. She was like not feeling well at all. And we got really spooked and nervous because COVID's so contagious that if she had it, we were definitely going to go down with it just because we live on live in such close quarters with her. And so Celia and I went to the store and stocked up on just all of the survival gear. Ginger ale? <laughs> ginger ale. Hence why, I have, <laughs> hence why I have ginger ale this week yeah. in my wine glass. Um, but yeah, we stocked up just in case and luckily we got the news this week that she was negative yeah it is all good over here yeah no worries well do you want to start us off with a fact sure all right oh actually before we start okay i remembered two things so i was looking on instagram the other day and i saw this post that had face masks reused into um, or upcycled into seed bags. Oh. So, yeah. So those little blue face masks that they have, mm-hmm. um, they just kind of sewed them together on the sides and made them into a little pouch. Then you put some soil in with the seeds and they look so cute. That's way cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So just kind of wrapping it back around to where uh your our first episode where we talked about face masks right Mm -hmm. yeah so if you see a face mask on the ground somewhere that's an idea for what to do with it if you just want to collect people's face masks yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking if you just happen to have a box of disposable ones 
And well, instead true. of throwing them away, you could just keep them. Yes. Instead of using someone's <laughs> potentially contaminated face mask for your DIY project. But cool but, idea. That's probably a more sanitary solution. That's neat. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. I want to give that update. Um, and then also, um, some of you guys might have seen, we did a Q&A this week on our Instagram page. And somebody was asking us about Plastic Free July. So, have we been doing Plastic Free July? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been... A trial and error. Yes. We've not been perfect at it, mm-hmm. but it's been really neat to every day try a little harder to be a little better and make these changes and these improvements in our lives. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely made me more aware about the plastic that I use. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just want to take it moving forward and continue to try to keep using less plastic. Yeah. So. Yeah. I well, I guess this kind of transitions into how we were eco-friendly this week. So maybe oh, yeah. I'll, I'll sit on it. I was plastic free. I made a really neat decision this week. Well, do we want to start with that now? No, we can we can let it marinate. And okay. You can just jump into your fact. Hang on tight, guys. Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> All right. So the fun fact that I've got this week for Celia is Air drying your clothes just six months out of the year would save 700 pounds of CO2. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so I know you have your air drying or your hanger. It's it's a drying rack. Yeah. Drying rack. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was really cool. You do a great job of drying your clothes like that. I always use the dryer in the laundry room. So something that I can do better at. Well, thanks. I wasn't really doing it for any eco-friendly purpose. <laughs> I was trying to avoid my clothes shrinking, but <laughs> that's really cool to know that. Two for one. Yeah. I mean, and you save money on the dryer if you have to pay for the dryer. That's true. Yeah, I... I mean, I, I think I actually air dry most of my clothes. Mm-hmm. I really only dry in the dry, dry, dry T-shirts that I know they're not going to shrink, mm-hmm. pajamas, underwear, but literally everything else, socks, socks will go in the dryer, but everything else I hang dry. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Neat. So if you're thinking that you live in an apartment and it's too hard to be able to air dry because you don't have a yard to do the whole classic put up a (laughs) hanger. Does anyone clothes pin dry anymore? Maybe. I think my mom did it a couple of times like during the summer because in Seattle, if you hang your stuff out to dry anytime, unless it's like end of June, July or August. seems pretty ineffective yeah you would just get wet clothes so but i think she has done it a couple times Mm -hmm. just out in our backyard but gotcha yeah i've got a really neat one that i actually picked it up at target Mm -hmm. by the way we figured it out you can say big name brand names yes so as long as we're not bashing usually we're just asking for people to sponsor us (laughs) so target 
Target. Want a sponsor? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, I got a, um, it's a collapsible drying rack from Target. And it, which when it's put together, it takes up a lot of space. Yeah. And for the first couple months that we were living together, I couldn't figure out how to collapse it mm. because it's just, it's tight. Like the clasps are super tight. Yeah. But it just needs a little bit of force and it'll pop right open and it just collapses into this neat little rectangle. I didn't even notice, honestly, that you were able to figure that out. So oh. it obviously didn't bother me that much how big it was. And not all the space we now have. <laughs> I mean, we're packing now, so. There's boxes everywhere. <laughs> That are taking up the space that the drying rack used to. Yeah. But, it <laughs> but now is, you know. Yes, now yeah. you know. So if anyone's looking at some collapsible hanger, Target's got a great one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your mom has one too. Is that from Target? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Same one, actually. Oh. Twinning with the mom. Heck yes. My mom and I twin often. Oh, so cute. Goals. Such goals. I know. I wish my mom would twin with me more. Was that were you dropping a hint? <laughs> mom? Is she gonna hear this? <laughs> no. Twin with you? My mom's too cool. She okay, I have to this is a quick side note. But um her and I took a road trip last summer and we were in one of these national parks down in southern Utah and we were out just at one of the sites seeing things. And we get out of the car and there's this couple in front of us in like one of those travel vans and they're super hippie. They look super cool, um, very outdoorsy and stuff. And we were just kind of going about our business. And the girl, um, she like came up to my mom. She was probably, I don't know, in her late 20s or something. She came up to my mom and she was like, I love your outfit. <laughs> and my mom was just wearing I'm pretty sure it was like her maternity overalls but they were like um they're like tie-dyed purple or like blue and pink and That's so awesome. they look super hippie yeah but really cool and my mom was just like I was just being comfortable <laughs> but <laughs> she was she's a trendsetter That's she's super so legit. cool yeah so I wish I could twin with my mom you should. I should. Do it. Maybe I'll make myself a tie-dyed overall piece like her. Don't let your dreams be dreams. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got you the fun fact. Do you have yes. anything for me? Oh, wait. I forgot we already did the fun fact. I, already gave I was like, fun yes, fact. what's the fun fact? <laughs> was that not fun enough? <laughs> that was pretty fun. Cool. Thanks. I just, I saw it and I thought of you because you have your dry rack, so... Well, there we go. It was applicable. So you're saving more than 700 pounds of CO2 every day. Or every year. Every day? Every day. Wow. (laughs) No. Well, there's 12 months in a year. So if for every six months you save 700 pounds, then you would save 1,400 pounds. (sighs) Right. (laughs) For a year. For a year. Yeah. Okay, Maybe this is a dumb question. Okay. And if it's a dumb question, I'll just edit it out. Okay. But 
how can, if CO2 is a gas, how are they weighing it? I don't know. I was kind of wondering that too. But it kind of sounds like across the board, that's a general thing. Okay. So maybe if I paid more attention in chemistry, I'd know the answer. <laughs> it's like, what were we talking about? Episode one is not a gas. Light. Oh, it's not a solid or liquid or gas. Oh my gosh. Who's that kid? You. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah. How are you eco-friendly this week? Oh, I have not even prepared for this question. Uh-oh. <laughs> I forgot. My dog ate my homework. Bull, we don't have a dog. We have fish. <laughs> my my roommate's cat ate my homework. <laughs> um, let's see. How was I eco-friendly? I think this week I was a lot more um, conscientious about washing out any food stuff that I had yeah. to throw it away in the recycle instead of just in the trash or to just throw it in the recycle with food stuff on it. Um, so I did a lot better on that. Um also, the other day I was taking the recycle out and I was walking back and there was a white claw just chilling on the grass and it, it, was, it had just been discarded there. So I picked it up and walked back to the recycle bin just to throw it out. Cause, Look at you. Yeah. Champ. I know. Carrying this nation on your back. Somebody's got to do it. I'll take the weight. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you? So, my big plastic-free eco-friendly decision. Yeah. Which, it actually might be in the mail. Okay. And so, after this, we should go check. Okay, let's go check. Because I'm excited. Okay. But I usually use just the plastic disposable razors. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And I've heard so much about, I think they're stainless steel. Yeah. I'm assuming they're stainless steel. I think so. Um, safety razors. Mm-hmm. And I actually went on to... I follow this company on Instagram. And I've ordered a couple things from them. And I've loved them. Um, but it's plastic-free shop. Mm-hmm. It's like a plastic-free shop. It's called... Oh, package-free. It's called package-free. Package free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I just went onto their website and found a cool... Um, stainless steel safety razor from mm. Albatross, and not to be confused with Alcatraz. I don't know if anyone was thinking that, but now they are. I was thinking that <laughs> <laughs> Albatross is a kind of bird. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I found this razor that I really liked and. I made a purchase. It was only about 20 bucks, mm-hmm. which I mean, that's not bad. It's pretty much a, I don't know if it explicitly says lifetime guarantee. Yeah. But they're built for years. They're durable. Yeah. They're yeah. super durable. Our roommate has one and she keeps it in the shower and it is a thick boy. Yeah. So <laughs> thick. Three C's. With three C's. Four? Probably four. It's a solid razor. <laughs> but 
And so it's got, when you buy it, you get a little packet of razor blades. Uh-huh. And it's a single blade razor as opposed to like the new three triple blade action, new four blade yeah. action. It's a one blade. Yeah. Which apparently is for a better shave because the more blades you have, the more like they get duller faster. Um, they they're not good for your skin because when you do one pass with the razor, you're fine. But when you do two and three and four passes mm. with the razor, it's just cacking up your skin really bad. Yeah. But so basically there's a lot of pros to using a single bladed razor i need to look into that yeah i didn't know that yeah but so when you buy the razor it comes with a free pack of like 10 Mm -hmm. blades yeah and so when the blade dulls down you can just swap them out and you can hold on to the blades and when you're done with them you can mail them back to this company to package free and they'll dispose of them for you Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Cool. So you don't have to worry about getting rid of blades or the proper blade recycling. Mm -hmm. You can just keep them in the packet that they send them to you in and just stick it in an envelope and write their address on it and stamp it and send it to them and they'll take care of it for you. Cool. I wonder what they do with it. Melt them down and make new ones? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That's so cool. I think wine's in the mailbox. Let's go take a look after this. Okay. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's what I did this You'll week. You'll have to keep us updated on how you like it. I will for sure. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. Well. Is it my turn for a world update? Yeah, let's hear what's going on in the world today. Okay. So I found this update that I thought was really neat. And it's a piece of good news. Mm-hmm. But it came from an article that was very it was very interesting i had to read it personally i had to reread it about three times Mm -hmm. and it wasn't a very long article it was just probably four or five paragraphs like little paragraphs yeah but i had to reread it about three or four times because it just wasn't landing and i don't know if i was in the greatest of headspaces to fully understand it or it was terminology heavy but i just was not getting it um but the news is absolutely fantastic so i'm gonna share it share it i'm excited so i got this information from science daily which does a really great job at giving you science daily and facts. And facts. <laughs> and little articles. And it's a very sciencey website. Yeah. Um, and so we're bringing it to you. In words that I can understand. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, so, but they had a summary at the head of the article. And so I'm just going to go ahead and read that. And uh-huh. then we'll break it down. Okay, cool. So if you tune out for a second, we'll come back to it. Okay. Um, for me too. Yes. <laughs> it says... New research revealed that tiny sunlight-absorbing particles in wildfire smoke wildfire smoke, may have less impact on climate than widely hypothesized because reactions as the plume mixes with clean air 
reduce its absorbing power and climate warming effect. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. Yes. Okay. But basically, so a previous belief was that wildfires admit a lot of carbon dioxide and other right. greenhouse gases mm-hmm. into the atmosphere when it's burning, um, which is bad for our ozone, which is bad for the oxygen oxygen that we breathe. Yeah. And it just eventually leads to our planet warming. Yeah. But it came from the Los Alamos National Laboratories, which I believe is in New Mexico. I think so. Um, They had a large wildfire fairly recently and have developed the technology to study the smoke plumes Mm -hmm. from these wildfires and discovering that as the smoke um, mixes with the oxygen, it, it cools down and it reduces the warming effect onto our ozone layer. And so it's not as harmful as we previously believed it to be. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Which is a little bit of good news, yeah. seeing as part of the United States is always on fire. Yeah. California. <laughs> Eastern <I> s- Washington. <laughs> I say this with love because I lived there for a while, but California was always on fire. Yeah. And even, I mean, there was a fire in lehigh just a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. yeah which was caused i believe it was caused from a stray firework yeah pre-fourth of july yeah i was gonna say this is kind of good time to talk about it because i think there were a lot of fires because of the fourth Mm -hmm. which it's difficult because you want to celebrate the country independence day Mm -hmm. but there are some dangers that come from fire. Yeah. Leave it up to the pros, maybe. Yeah. That's but, cool. But we're not here to <laughs> enforce anybody to stop blowing off fireworks. No. It just happened to be a firework, and they contained it. And as far as I know, nobody died. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't checked it. But... It's kind of cool to see that they were able to stop the fires. And apparently the wind changed directions before it hit residential areas. In Lehigh? Mm -hmm. So you can actually see pictures where it burned right up to the yard line. Mm -hmm. The yard lines of some people. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. Wow. So. That's a really cool um, news. I think... You know, it's interesting because fires are supposed to happen naturally. Mm -hmm. I went to, um, I can't remember which national park it was. I think it was Glacier National Park. And we went on one of those ranger tours where they took you around. And I think there had just recently been a forest fire. And so we went on this tour through this like forest that was pretty much burned down completely mm-hmm. um and it was really sad looking around but the ranger was telling us that you know these forests when there's a fire they kind of spit out seeds everywhere mm-hmm. so that they naturally are able to rebloom and repopulate um and obviously you know like human started fires are not 
the best, although farmers practice that with their Mm -hmm. agriculture. They'll, like, burn their fields and stuff. Um, But I think that it's kind of a natural process of regrowth and stuff. Yeah. When I was in... It doesn't hurt the world. Yeah. When I was in middle school, actually, we had a fire scare. Mm -hmm. um, And it burned the field across the street from my middle school. Mm -hmm. And... The literally the week after the fire had happened, the entire field was green. Wow. And it was so crazy because it was scorched black. Yeah. And I remember it. And I driving past one day and suddenly it was green. Yeah. And I think I was talking to a teacher and he said the exact same thing that these plants are geared and ready for any kind of emergency like that. It's like insurance, it's plant mm-hmm. insurance. And they just spit their seeds everywhere. And Mm -hmm. they're like, I'm going to go out guns a blazing. (laughs) (laughs) They're ready. (laughs) Seeds everywhere. Everywhere. But yeah, and on top of that, I'm sure it puts all kinds of good nutrients back into the ground. And it's an ideal environment for these plants to spring up again. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, this world's amazing. It is. It's amazing what nature can do. I feel like we were talking about this with the National Parks episode, the first one, about just when we leave nature alone, how it can improve itself so quickly. Mm -hmm. Like it really can bounce back if we stop doing so much to consistently be hurting it. Right. So just thought thoughts by julia i'm full of them (laughs) (laughs) all right so this week i'm going to be doing food waste um so the sources that i used were move for hunger wikipedia obviously because bless wikipedia and zero waste guide on instagram shout out and imperfect foods so According to the United Nations, one in nine people don't have access to enough food to be healthy. Wow. I know. That's scary low. Right? That's like, well, one in nine. How big is your family? Nine people? We are nine. Yeah. Yeah. We're nine. So that's one of you guys doesn't have access to healthy food in the world. Yikes. Right? Crazy. So, um, almost one third of the food that's produced is wasted in the world. We waste enough food to feed three billion people every year. Three billion? Three billion. Oh my word. Yeah. And I mean, a third of the food is wasted. That's a huge statistic. Mm hmm. It's not just like 3%. Yeah. It's not just like crumbs here and there. Those are like full meals that could feed people. Yeah. Just crazy to me. Um, so you're probably wondering how does this waste happen? Mm-hmm. So there's two terms that I came across while I was doing this research. So upstream um, is where the food is being made, handled, and stored. So kind of the beginning stages of before the food gets to the consumer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then downstream is the processing of the food, distribution of the food, and the consuming of the food. So upstream, kind of beginning downstream, is towards the end of the process. Make sense? Yes. Cool. So this was kind of interesting to read, and it makes sense, I feel like, once you read it. But... Um, it said that in developing countries, more food is lost to upstream um, food production, mm-hmm. which, like I said, is the kind of the beginning phases. Um, and then in middle and high class income regions, the food is lost more on the downstream side of things. Okay. So um, basically what's that saying is like once... Once these developed countries, you know, in general, once these developed countries have the food get to them, it's more likely to be eaten and, like, used by the consumer than it is in those middle and high clubs, high income regions. So, wait, wait, wait. Remind me what this upstream. So, upstream's like the beginning. So, the making of the food... So that's like farming, stuff like that. Handling of it. So picking. How does it get lost? Does it just not, it just never makes it? Different ways. Okay. So. Am I jumping the gun? Sorry. Kind of, but not really. So I think usually what happens, and it depends on different regions of the world, obviously. um, But usually what happens is that you know, either crops will get picked off by animals or it just won't produce effectively. Like, the mm-hmm. land's been used too much. Oh, okay. Um, like, no, no access to pesticides. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So those were some... That's for, like, upstream. And then downstream is, like, um, the processing of it. So... A lot of that is kind of, well, I think this is a combination of upstream and downstream, but one of the biggest um, problems, which I'll kind of go into a little bit later, is like perfect foods. Mm, we have this idea yeah. of perfect sh- perfect foods um, that we see at the grocery store and stuff. But if you try to start a garden, not all of the food that you grow is going to look exactly like what you see when you go to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So I think Costco is a really extreme version of that because when you go to Costco, you know, their apples are huge and their bananas are huge and you just kind of see the steroids that's been pumped into them. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that's another whole thing with the food industry of that like idea of perfection yeah where a lot of food gets lost too so um so when i was kind of researching this like obviously this is really like kind of a sad topic because you know a lot of people are going hungry in this world and there's so much food waste and so i mean it's kind of shocking to read about but also i was like well, how does this tie into their environment? Like, why should I talk about this on our podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was kind of looking into it, um, it started to make sense, like, why it's 
it has an impact on the environment because obviously, you know, a lot of energy and water goes into food production. Mm-hmm. And so if so much energy and water and other resources are going into this food production that never makes it into the into the bodies of people, then it's kind of a waste and like a pointless use of energy, you know? Yeah. So um, to start out, um, one of the biggest things um, effects that it has on the environment is actually in greenhouse gases. So when food waste goes into landfills, it produces methane, which methane is a more powerful greenhouse gas than even CO2, which was interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you know that? I remember hearing it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I locked in the vault. Was not paying attention to my science class. (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, so it produces methane, which I think will point to what you're talking about later in this episode. Yes, actually. Teaser. Teaser. (laughs) Stick around for Celia's part if you can make it through mine. Um, so food waste in landfills accounts for about 8% of greenhouse emissions, which was just crazy to me. And, you know, if we weren't wasting so much, we could cut down a lot on greenhouse gases. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing, um, that it affects in the environment is the land use. Uh Uh-huh. So... Um, 1.4 billion hectare, hectares yeah. um, are used to produce uneaten food. 1.4 billion hectares of land are used. So to put that into perspective, one hectare is about two football fields. Whoa. So 1.4 billion of those. So... 2.8 billion football fields. That's insane. Of land. Of land just for yeah. food? For food that doesn't even get eaten. <gasps> no. Yeah. yeah. It's not it's not the food just in general. It's food that's it's not food eaten. that doesn't get used. Okay. So did you see pictures when you were looking this up? No. Oh my goodness. The sheer quantity. I've seen some pictures mm-hmm. of food that never even makes it to the store yeah i mean forget food that is thrown out of the store because nobody picks it it goes the i mean quote unquote shelf life right expires mm-hmm. that's the big thing mm-hmm. we'll talk about that and so that's ignoring that because that's already a big factor but the food just the sheer pictures of it it's mountains and mountains and mountains of food. Wow, I haven't seen and, that. Oh, it's going to blow your mind when you see it. Okay. And probably make you sick because yeah. it's just, it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. And it could solve world hunger. Yeah. 100%. It yeah. could solve world hunger. But the thing is, is it's countries that don't want to accept help from us. And it's 
our country not wanting to extend the help. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm sure it goes both ways. Yeah. I don't know specifically if it's one offering help and the other not accepting or one asking and the other not giving. Mm -hmm. But either way, the amount of food that is being wasted could solve world hunger. Yeah. And that, that makes me so sick sick to my stomach frustrated and and to see a picture of it Mm -hmm. it just blows my mind yeah it completely blows my mind that that quantity of food can just go to waste yeah and on top of that it's gotten worse because of covid Mm. sorry i didn't mean to totally capsize your whole thing and make it my own please but the with covid like i know specifically potato production because uh-huh. of fast food restaurants yeah, and their potato usage, that. it is like there are mountains in Idaho. Yeah, just mountains and mountains of potatoes. Because we should create a time machine and send them back to Ireland back in nineteen whenever when the potato fa- uh, famine <laughs> famine happened <laughs> <laughs> to solve that problem. Yeah, that'll do it. I think I just solved the problems. Done. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, because fast food restaurants aren't able to use the potato in as many as in such a high quantity as they're used to using it. And if you think about it, you get fries with like every meal Mm -hmm. when you go out. Nope. Yeah. So crazy. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. There's so many things like that. Milk too. Yep. I heard the whole dairy industry is just really taking a hit. Hard. Yeah. Yep. On top of that, the I think you told me actually that some like a COVID strain had gotten into a couple meat packing plants. Yeah. And that just shut it down. Mm -hmm. That shut a couple meat packing plants down. Yeah. Which. And we'll talk about later in later episodes, unless you have it for us today. But how, I mean, meat production is one of the highest causes of methane and greenhouse gases. And I mean, meat production, it's farming, animal farming. I don't know why I said meat production. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We, I don't have it in this episode, but I'll definitely, or one of us will go into it in a later episode because that's really interesting to me Mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah that was just really crazy to me how much land i mean first of all how much land is used to produce food but i guess it makes sense if you think about it like how many people yeah on the earth wait was that number for the earth or just for the u.s i was hoping you would ask me because i don't know i think it was just for the u.s that's still so much. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So, obviously, so, like I said earlier, about a third of food goes is wasted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's about three times that amount of land being used for food production, but a third of it just never makes it to mm-hmm. the mouths of people. So, wow. Yeah. That's so sad. I know. Yeah. And one more thing of why, if you aren't convinced it matters yet, this last one will get you. Okay. 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 So I actually, 
am really interested in learning about how food is produced more because I feel like I don't really understand how food is produced because when I was reading about it, it just kept talking about how much water is used for pr- food production. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that's just not the first thing that comes to my mind when um, thinking about how food's produced. But um, a lot of water goes into food production. So because of all this food that's uneaten, um, 250 cubic kilometers of water is wasted because it's just not it's not eaten or it's used on food that's not eaten wow and so to put that into comparison too because i have no idea what a cubic kilometer is um it's a hundred million olympic sized swimming pools would go into 250 kilometers wow cubic kilometers (laughs) that's a lot of water isn't that crazy like i can't even wrap my mind about that yeah but yeah 100 million olympic sized swimming pools could be filled with that amount of water okay i have a stupid question okay are maybe it's not a stupid question i feel a little stupid asking it but are we gonna run out of water yeah we are if we keep using at the rate that we like are it's I should have written this down because it kind of came up in my black hole that I was wandering mm-hmm. down. But if we keep going using water the way that we are, we aren't like creating enough fresh wa- drinkable water um, for us to use at the same rate that we use it. Wow. So eventually... Unless we find a better solution or if we conserve more water, then we'll run out. We're going down. Maybe that'll be another episode. That should be. We should should go more into this. This is... I'm concerned. I'm highly concerned. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of holes that you can dive down deep. Yeah. But as we said on episode one, if you're coming to us for like super scientific knowledge this isn't necessarily the episode for you or the podcast for you but we want to bring good information that's just kind of covering what we're going to cover yeah spreading knowledge to people yes and to ourselves because i didn't know any of this nope didn't know we were running out of water i know so that's i'm gonna that's gonna keep me awake tonight well did you do that thing in elementary school where they have you like fill out kind of your life lifestyle and it tells you how much of an impact you have on the environment? No. Oh, maybe it's because I'm from Seattle. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but they had us fill out this thing and they ask questions like, how long do you take a shower for, you know? Do you run the water when you're brushing your teeth and stuff like that? And it tells you how many gallons a year of water you use, pretty much. I mean, it's just an estimate. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And then it, like, shows how much of a footprint you have on the world. Wow. And it's super crazy. Yeah. We should both take that test. I'll try to find it. And then for whatever episode we end up talking about water consumption and stuff we can talk about it are we gonna reveal our answers 
I yeah. don't know if I want to reveal my answers. <laughs> Maybe not. We can just we can talk about what we learned from it. I use 30,000 gallons a day. <laughs> yeah. I think we all use a lot more than we think. But we yeah. Do. Oh, definitely. Because it kind of is in just like the daily habits. We're going into a huge rabbit hole because mm-hmm. this is a whole other topic. But... You know, even if you have a leaky drain, that can, like, you, it's just a tiny drip, but it's so constant that it wastes so much water. Mm-hmm. Like a running toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know. Who knew? Not me. Now you do. <laughs> Our listeners. Our you listeners. guys do. <laughs> yeah. So that was just really crazy to me how much water... I mean, is even used in food production, but much less wasted, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So another fun fact about water in food production, every time, are you ready for this? I think, I hope I'm ready. I feel kind of called out by this fact. I was like, I've definitely done this. I need to be more aware. All right, hit me. (laughs) So... Every glass of milk that you pour down the drain wastes a thousand liters of water. Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, who would have ever thought? But now I'm like, the most valuable, (laughs) valuable thing. This is gold. A glass of water (laughs) or a glass of milk. I know. Oh man, yeah, I'm not a big milk drinker. Mm-hmm. Here's here's my dilemma, and this is this is a whole other another episode, an epi- another episode for another day. Yeah, um, is what milk per se to to use? I'm not a big. I'm I'm a fan of cheese. I'm a diehard cheese addict. Oh yes, hundred percent. Um, but I. I could give up milk easy, so easy. Yeah. But I saw this chart that was mapping out um, the benefits of each kind of milk. So there's Mm -hmm. cow's milk, almond milk, oat milk. um, They're doing coconut milk. Yeah. They're doing all kinds of stuff with things now. Yeah. Um, And it was a series of graphs. And I'll try and find it. But it was how much water, um, grams of protein, how essentially how good it is for you. But each um, each of those graphs was drastically different. And so it was like, okay, well, what do you need? What's what's the best milk to go for that has the best impact? Yeah. Um, I mean, do you want to cut out? cow's milk because you because of methane production and because of I guess that's meat but because of the downsides of drinking cow's milk do you want to drink almond milk but almond milk takes more water than other milks do you want to do oat milk oat milk has more fiber but it doesn't have as much protein and so Mm -hmm. there's so many different pros and cons to each different kind of milk yeah so if Honestly, if anyone has the be all end all, <laughs> like this, this is the milk. This is I have the answer. Please, 
let us know because <laughs> I I don't even know. I have no idea. Maybe one of these episodes we can dive into each and kind of go over pros and cons and between you and I just talk out which one we think might be the best. Even though it won't be a professional answer at all. But that might be cool. I like just that. a thought. Okay, cool. We'll just stay tuned. That's kind of I I'm excited. Cool. That's a neat one. Yeah. Um, okay, so back to the whole food waste situation. So I kind of gave you guys the bad news up front. Basically, we waste a lot of food. So what can we do about it? Um, a lot of this information I found was from Zero Waste Guide. If you guys haven't checked them out, definitely go give them a follow because I look at their stuff probably every day. They're really cool. Do you look at I them? Do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I look at their stuff every day and they just have such good ideas for life hacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a couple ones that I found that kind of related to this whole food food waste thing. Um, it's kind of these are kind of surface level solutions. They're they're solutions for let's go back to my terminology for <laughs> downstream stuff so on the back end what we can control as consumers um because i know for me personally and we talked about this last week i think um you know we got ourselves an herb garden because we would buy these herbs from the store and they would just go bad and kind of wilt away and then we just wouldn't use them Mm -hmm. and so i feel like for me personally i've definitely um big been a big like culprit of the whole food waste on the back end on the consumer end because Mm -hmm. you know especially since I'm just feeding my feeding myself it's easy to let food go bad because I'm not buying it constantly and feeding a bunch of people with it it's kind of it sits there until I get around to eat it um So it's something that I need to be a lot better at. But these life hacks are really interesting to me for that reason. Because, so first, with strawberries. I don't know if you're like this, but I like my strawberries super firm and, like, firm. (laughs) That's like my mom and tight grapes. Yeah. Oh, I'm like like, that, too. It's it's a crunch. But I wonder. They're tight. Okay, I wonder if this solution would work for your mom with tight grapes because <laughs> tight grapes. Sorry. <laughs> but I get I understand the firm <laughs> strawberries because I get the type the tight grapes. Yeah. It's a it's a texture. It's a texture, for sure. I just don't like my strawberries to get mushy yeah. and stuff. So the solution it obviously doesn't work if your grape or your strawberries are going moldy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of the pre-mold stages where it just gets kind of softer. So easy solution, put it in ice for about 20 minutes. Oh. That's all. Or like ice water. Step one, get ice. Yeah. So easy solution. Maybe it can help with your mom, but 
Um, that way you're not even, because I do this a lot, I'll still eat the strawberry, but I'll cut around those mm-hmm. mushy parts and just throw out the mushy parts. Yeah. Um, so instead of cutting off and wasting that food, then it just firms it up and you can eat it and it's fine. So cool. it's the little things, you know? Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it, definitely a big culprit of... Mm-hmm this i mean i i lose things in the fridge all the time and i forget that i have them Mm -hmm. um i i found a carton of raspberries that i had bought a couple weeks ago actually that had very much died in the back of our fridge (laughs) and i mean it it had molded so bad it was Mm -hmm. so far gone yeah but yeah i i'm right up there with you and yeah. with everybody else, I, on top of that, if I make something and I don't love it, it'll sit in a Tupperware until mm-hmm. I subconsciously let it go bad because I'm not coming back for it. It wasn't good yeah. the first time. It's not going to be good the second time. But Which makes me feel so bad looking at these numbers because mm-hmm. I'm like, I just need to buy what I need and just eat it and that's that just stick to chicken and rice (laughs) (laughs) because like i mean we've talked about this before on the podcast but as consumers we have such a voice with our money Mm -hmm. and where we put our money are and if we are buying more food than we can actually eat then we create more of a demand for it and then it just kind of keeps contributing to that problem of food waste you know it's so, a vicious cycle. Yeah, exactly. So that's just kind of a simple thing that you can do with um, strawberries. I also saw, I didn't write this down, but I also saw that if you, like when you first get fruit, if you wash it in um, apple cider vinegar, mm-hmm. it will last longer in the fridge. Oh. So just a thought. I've also seen... That if you have any leafy vegetables, mm-hmm. so lettuce, kale, green yeah. onions, um, they're not root vegetables, but they leafy have, vegetables. Yeah, leafy vegetables. Yeah. They have root butts, <laughs> I guess. But you can put them in jars or cups of water in the fridge and they will last longer as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because I usually just chuck them in the drawer and that's yeah. where they sit. And if at some point they start to get a little droopy. But mm. if you put them in a cup, I'm sure you could keep them on your counter as well. We're a little limited with counter space over here. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but when you're old and grown and have your own fridge and you don't have to share with anybody, you could probably <laughs> put your leafy vegetables in cups of water and it'll... Make them longer. Make them last longer. That's a good idea. I love that. Cool. It's pretty neat. I haven't tried it, but... Yeah. It looks cool. Yeah. Most of these life hacks are just what I've seen and heard. Mm -hmm. Um, There is one that I tried the other day. I'll get to it. But um, kind of along the same vein with, like you were saying, the leafy greens. Um. Something else that you can do, like if you're in a situation like us where you don't have 
a lot of counter space or whatever to be able to put in jars so that they last longer. Um, what you can do is that once they're starting to kind of welt like that, you can put them again in ice water and they'll kind of revive themselves and get that crisp back. So about 20, 30 minutes again. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So good to know. Amazing what ice water can do. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's good for the body. It's good for fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables. Yeah. Ice water to cure all. Cure it all. So those are just some ideas for reviving fruits and vegetables. Um, a preventative step that you can take with potatoes. This has never actually happened to me, but I'm always really worried about it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Not that I have that many potatoes around. Usually I have like two or something. But um, like my mom, she'll get the sack of potatoes from Costco that just yeah. has tons. Um, and they go through potatoes pretty often. So I don't think that's a problem that she's had to deal with. But if you're worried about your potatoes going bad or like sprouting, um, what you can do is you can store an apple with the potatoes because the apple like lets out gases that stops the potatoes from growing those sprouts. Wow. So. And it's not a cut apple? No, just a apple. Hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I Except I forget about potatoes, <laughs> which leads them to growing eyes. Yes. Um, and I think I would forget about the apple just as bad and oh, just no. open the cabinet to find a rotted apple and potatoes with eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And then I'm down apples and potatoes. Yeah. That might be a problem. Yeah. But so don't follow my lead. <laughs> But that also made me think about um, while I was home with you like a couple months ago, you were telling your mom about if you spread the bananas out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She thought it was crazy. No. Okay. But go into that because I forgot what you said. Oh, so bananas release gases that make the other bananas age faster. Uh-huh. Um, and so if you have a... I've, I've seen it on our own counters that I'll have a bunch of bananas that's yellow and someone will bring, someone will bring home bananas and though the older batch of bananas will get super brown and spotty really fast. And if the other bunch of bananas is a little green, like they'll, it just, it accelerates the aging process. Yeah. And so, so close. While I was home, we, we would go through bananas like crazy. And my mom would come into the kitchen to find that I had put bunches of bananas on different surfaces in the kitchen. And just to stop, to make them last a little longer. And she thought it was crazy and would move them back to <laughs> her banana corner. Yeah. But I'm not crazy. No, I just thought that was so funny because (laughs) I, you know, I think growing up, that's just what you're used to. And we did the same thing. We had our bunch of, or our corner for bananas. Mm -hmm. And that's just where the bananas sat. If we got new bananas before the old bananas got eaten, then they would just go sit next to each other. And that's just the way it was. Yeah. But 
I am not the biggest fan of mushy bananas. And so anything to prevent that, I am here for it. So I appreciate that little tip. It's a good tidbit. You're welcome. <laughs> I love I'll be the crazy bananas. person who spreads bananas across the like house. Can I tell you one of my pet peeves? Yes. When I, I stop eating bananas when they... I'll eat them up until the point that they start to have really prominent brown spots, like yeah. dark brown spots. Yeah. And I don't mean like they're a little speckly or even moderately speckly. Yeah. But when they have big black patches, mm. I just, I, I don't like the flavor of that, of the banana. I don't like the mushiness. Yeah. I don't, I don't love it. A banana that's a little bit green is ideal. For me. I like pretty moderately green. Like yeah. not green, green bananas, but Yeah. But like still, still a little bit pretty green. Hard. Yes. Yeah. And if if a banana is too far gone, I'll just let it keep going and pop it in the freezer for banana bread. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. The nice thing about bananas is that it doesn't have to go to waste. Just because you aren't a biggest fan of the dots on it. Then just throw it in the freezer, put it in some delicious banana bread. Yep. And actually, those dark, mushy bananas are the best ones Mm -hmm. for banana bread. Yeah. It makes it nice and sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Okay. So my last little life hack here. um, This is the one that I was telling you guys. I actually tried it this week. Me and Celia did. because Yeah, we did. Yeah. So we had this bread um, from a couple weeks ago that Celia put in the fridge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just thought it would last and not go bad. But when we pulled out of the fridge the other day, it was a little bit stale. And we were like, oh, man, it went stale. Like, it's not, it's no good. We're not going to eat it. But luckily, I had just seen this life hack. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to talk about this on the podcast. So... This is the perfect opportunity to try it. So we tried it. And what we did was we ran. This is going to sound really crazy. I thought she was crazy. She was watching her do it and it looks crazy. It looks absolutely crazy. I was doing it and I was like, why am I doing this? (laughs) Just throw it away. (laughs) It's too far gone. It's too far gone. But it actually works, guys. So this is what I'm talking about. If you have stale bread... And again, we're not talking about moldy bread. We're not talking about anything like that. I don't think you can revive moldy bread. I think at that no. point, it's it's toast. Yeah. Try to get it before it gets moldy. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. Um, but no, this is for stale bread so that you don't... Because I don't like the taste of stale bread. Does anyone? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm, there might be someone out there who adores stale bread. Maybe. That's the only time they'll eat it. Yeah. Maybe. Anyways, so, but usually if I have stale bread, I just throw it out, honestly, mm-hmm. because I'm like, this is not going to be what I want to eat. So, hashtag first world problems. Definitely. <laughs> um, but what you can do is you rinse it under tap water. And it, like Celia said, it's the craziest thing because you're putting bread, like bread that gets mushy, 
under tap water. But just do it for a couple seconds just so that water gets all over it. And then you put it in the oven for about like three minutes maybe. Maybe five. It's about five minutes, yeah. Yeah, about five minutes depending on where you are Mm -hmm. for 200 or... For 200 minutes. Yes. <laughs> and then it will be perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. Just put it in for five minutes at 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And we had tried it and it was actually pretty good. I thought so. Yeah, it was great. It was like new fresh bread. Yeah. So it didn't, I mean, it wasn't soggy because whatever uh-uh. sog from the water had kind of been cooked out in the oven. And it wasn't stale. It was perfect. Yeah. I have like I have zero complaints. Yeah, it was it tasted like it was fresh out of the oven bread. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever dealing with that first world problem, definitely give it a try. We give it a try and we loved it. Yep. So last point I want to make. Okay. So going all the way back to you know how much food is wasted. I just wanted to give a little shout out to an organization that I think has a really cool mission. So Imperfect Foods, if you guys haven't heard of it, what they do is they sell produce that has been rejected from the supermarkets um, just because of the way that it looks. Like we were talking about earlier, there's kind of this idea of perfection in food where if it looks a little bit off, people aren't going to want to eat it. And that's not the case. Food is food is food. I mean, we're talking about how, like, mushy strawberries we don't want to talk about (laughs) or we don't want to eat or bananas with spots on them we don't want to eat. But, you know, a carrot that has two legs sprouted instead of just the normal, you know... Carrot shape. Carrot, (laughs) The normal carrot-shaped... Carrot (laughs) (laughs) that you think of when you go to the supermarket. Yeah. That doesn't make it a bad carrot Mm -hmm. just because it's shaped differently. Um, And there's so much. Love yourself. (laughs) Love your body. Love your food. Love your food. And just because it doesn't look perfect and like, you know, Instagram worthy. Because it comes in all shapes and sizes. It really does. So that's why I love Imperfect Foods. If you guys haven't ever heard of them, definitely check them out. Um, I just really love their mission. And I think it's just so important to realize that, you know, there doesn't have to be this level of perfection in food. You know? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I feel like we could save a ton of food waste if we just forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Like if supermarkets just accepted whatever they got from farms then so much wouldn't have to be thrown out yeah and i don't know why i don't know why because i would definitely buy foods that weren't beautiful yeah like who needs it it's food yeah but with imperfect foods you have the imp- the <laughs> You have the opportunity to buy those imperfect foods. It's true, so, you do. Check going back out. to what we were talking about, just your money talks as the consumer. So mm-hmm. if you're purchasing imperfect foods, then it lets those super- supermarkets know that that's 
what people are wanting. So for sure. Yeah. So that's all I've got for you. Way cool. That was awesome. Thanks. Yeah. It was really interesting to uh, be looking into a little bit more because it's something I've definitely been thinking about a lot. And I think it tied in pretty well with what you're going to talk about. It did. So believe it or not, we actually didn't coordinate this. Yeah, we didn't talk about it at all. Mm-mm. So I we I did a little sneak peek this week or last week, but I am going to be talking about composting today. Um, which, which I guess if you mentioned it last week on the episode, I guess we did kind of know about it. That's true. But <laughs> I called it first. You did. <laughs> I copied you. You did. Um but composting is nature's way of recycling, which was a cute little quote oh, I saw. Uh, yeah, that's cute. It's fun. So first I'm going to run through basically how to compost and then we'll kind of branch off from there. Um, but I I don't live in a house. Um, no, my apartment. Yes, we've. Yeah, we've talked about that. My family doesn't really live anywhere that could easily compost themselves. Mm-hmm. But the information that I found, it was pretty broad. It was very um, like typical. The typical composting was essentially garden composting. Okay. So... I'm going to run through that and the ins and outs of that. For those of you with big gardens. Yeah. I'm jealous. That's the goal. I would love to have a big garden. Yeah. The more that I've read about composting, I don't know. Mm. Well, because it's bigger and it's more, it's more yours and it's up to you. And the downside to apartment composting is you then have to do something with your material right whereas Which we talked about last week maybe we can start some kind of you know business selling our compost i have an answer for that oh, okay i looked I jumped the gun sorry. you did you did <laughs> but yeah so for composting step number one is selecting your location Mm-hmm. which is super important um, because composting, it's essentially a raw pile, mm-hmm. which is disgusting. Yeah. But that's what it is. Yeah. It's, um, it composes of green vegetable and fruit scraps, um, coffee grounds, yard waste like leaves and grass, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um Newspapers, eggshells, um, but no animal products. So no meats, um, no bones, no butter, other dairy products, milk, cheese, yogurt. That stuff needs to stay out of your compost pile. Okay, interesting. Because mm-hmm. you think, at least like previously, I was, I was thinking that compost was food. Yeah. But it's not all foods. Okay. Um, But you actually need a good mixture of its green material and brown material. 
Okay. And so your green material, basically, did it come from the earth? Mm. Um, your brown material consists of newspaper, brown paper bags. Um, oh. I'm sure you could use cardboard, some types of other papers. I didn't. Um, I really just thought that composting was food. No. Exclusively. And I actually, actually yeah. well, I'll talk a little bit more about this. You have to have brown material. Interesting. And the ratio is one to three one percent or one per one one part one part that's the word one part green material to three parts brown oh so you need a lot more brown material Mm -hmm. than you need food and i'll tell you why okay wait so you said no animal products Mm -hmm. i have always thought that eggs eggshells can be composted is they can yes they can so that's kind of a difference yeah, because okay. they come from an animal, but also, yeah, they're really good for the earth. Okay. So, yeah, cool. Um, so first up in making a compost pile is to select your location. Um, you can do rot piles in the backyard. You can do bins around the house, like in the garage, in the kitchen. Um, if you have a cute laundry room mudroom setup that however however you want to put it you can select your location for me i would put it in the kitchen because when i'm cooking um that's the easiest thing for me to do um your bin should be easy to rotate so you can turn your compost okay so composting needs to be they said you can you just use like a pitchfork and oh. just rotate your compost because that heat generates that the breakdown of that material. Mm-hmm. And when it gets cold on top, you just need to rotate mix it. it yeah, mix it up so that it can continue to break down that material on top. Weird. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, but there's also other solutions to that if you don't have the time or the energy or the space to turn your compost. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you about that. Cool. Um, if it's outside, your compost pile should be about three feet high, no more than three feet high. Mm-hmm. Um, I think after three feet, it gets a little unmanageable, gets gotcha. a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but also you should choose somewhere away from foraging animals, which I think is a like given. Raccoons. Like raccoons. Mm. I think raccoons are looking for more of those animal products. Yeah. Um, they're looking for bones. They're looking for leftover meat scraps, probably even dairy. Mm. I don't know if they'd be wanting to eat your fruit and vegetable scraps. remains. Yeah, yeah, scraps. But foraging animals can be an issue. Okay. So you want to get it away from there would be from where animals would have easy access to it, mm-hmm. or maybe away from your house so that if animals do get into it, they're not they're not in in like living spaces. So they're not it's not yeah. putting the animals in danger. It's not putting you in danger, your family members, stuff like that. That makes sense. Yeah, um, you want it to have enough exposure to air to keep cool and aerated. Um, you want a good breeze to kind of a good breeze, breeze it around so that it doesn't stink. Blow it through because that's one of my biggest concerns. Is yeah, I want to start composting, but to me, compost always stinks yeah. so bad. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't want to walk into my house, my apartment, my living space and just smell rotting food. Right. That's not appealing to me. That's not re- appealing to anybody, yeah. really. So there's also solutions to that. Okay. So, <clears throat> but if you're doing it outside, you want there to be wind access uh-huh. to keep the air generating, keep it nice and cool mm-hmm. um, because it is generating that warmth through decomposing. Gotcha. Um, and you want it to have shade is optimal um, and you want it to have access to water, uh-huh. which I would assume. Um, Can you like water it like while you're watering your garden? Mm-hmm. I think okay. so. Um because you want to you want to add water spare, sparsely sparsely yeah sparsely um but don't overwater it because then it kills bacteria okay but you want to keep it damp mm-hmm. um to create that warm environment keep it alive also if you put dried goods like dried leaves dried papers if it gets too hot it can catch fire Oh, so you want to be careful of that. Yeah, so keep your rock gotcha. pile moist. So you want it to be kind of humid in there. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, you do. Humid and stinky. I love yep. it. <laughs> the best combination. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> um, so step number two is to finally toss your materials. Mm-hmm. Now there's actually a setup for your compost pile, and I wish I wrote it down. Because I I could be completely off base, but I think you want brown materials on the bottom, so your papers on the bottom, and just keep layering mm-hmm. your green materials, brown materials, green materials, brown materials. Sense. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I think I'm a little wrong on that. But there's a setup. It makes sense to me. Yes. So. But there's a setup to... We'll call it good. Yeah. To your whole composting. Um. It, you want your, like I said earlier, you want mater- your materials to be organic and biodegradable. Um, I previously mentioned what it was. Vegetable and fruit scraps, coffee grounds, um, yard sticks and leaves and waste. Um, you, can, you can do animal waste, but not pet waste. Okay. So you can do chicken excrement you can do goat sheep excrement but you can't do dogs you can't do dogs or or cats i wonder why is it because of what they are eating probably okay yeah just are i wonder if you were feeding them like a more natural way Mm -hmm. because i've heard i think this is like more recently becoming a thing but I was watching this show the other day that made dog biscuits, but the dog, like the people tried them. Like they were dog biscuits that people could eat. And so I think that's becoming more of a thing of don't feed your dog anything that you can't eat, basically. I guess that, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I know there's some things that animals need. Mm Mm-hmm. That humans don't necessarily need. Yeah. Um, like, I know, I think specifically, I don't know about dogs, but specifically cats and foxes need taurine. Hmm. 
but I don't know. I think raw animal, raw like raw chicken has taurine. Uh-huh. Um, but we can't Should. eat that. We shouldn't eat that, raw obviously. <laughs> but yeah, so I wonder. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's probably part of their diet, but I don't think chickens are eating raw chicken. Yeah, probably. I hope not. That's pretty bad. Cannibalistic. That's mad chicken disease in the making. Yeah. So, also, don't put ash, seeds. Oh, and I also have listed pet waste. So, no ash and seeds either. Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Yeah, any remaining seeds can't yeah. put in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like I mentioned earlier, good balance of green and brown materials for carbon and nitrogen. Okay. Um, you want to pay attention to your compost. Um, you can't just throw it in a bin and let it go, which that's my ideal way of composting is just throw it in a bin and let it go and forget about it never look at it again (laughs) and there's some ways that you can kind of do that but Uh also they can be fairly expensive and take up a ton of space um but you need to closely monitor your compost um you can you because of of your temperature Mm-hmm. Of the temperature of your compost, if the top layer gets cold, you can use your hands, um, which is really gross. Or yeah. you can um, use a thermometer a to check the temperature. Oh, oh no, not to rotate it. That would be disgusting. <laughs> Just pile it. Yuck. Yuck. Okay, that's right. Yeah. But to like check the temperature. Just I don't know if you can like just hover your hands over it or oh. if people are... Grabbing it, sticking their hand all the way in. Yuck. (laughs) So, but you can do that. Um, And you have to add moisture to draw materials like sawdust. So not only do you need to keep your pile moisturized, but Mm -hmm. you need to keep any dry materials that you add damp so So that they don't. Spark and cause a fire. So with like something like sawdust, would you moisten it before you put it in? You could probably put it in and then just take your hose and just hose it down. Gotcha. Yeah, nice and easy. Then you Um, do two for one, water it and moisten the stuff that you just put in. Yeah, way easy. Yeah. Um, And then the next step is waiting. It can take weeks, months, or years before your compost is ready to be used. Mm-hmm. Which is very long. That is such a long time to have to wait years. Yeah. It probably depends on what's your in what's in your compost pile. Probably the size of it too, I would mm-hmm. assume. Because yeah. you know, big three foot tall compost pile probably would take longer to get ready compared to a little bucket of yeah. compost. Yeah. Um so now that we've talked about that, let's talk about how to compost in an apartment. So this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, I've been waiting for this too. Um, Yeah, because it's it's the most applicable to us. Yeah. But according to the Environmental Protection Agency, food is the biggest ingredient in American trash. Yep. Um, It is 35% of our garbage. 
Wow. Um, oh, wait. Yeah, 35% of average garbage can is food, of the average garbage pan, can is food. Oh, my gosh. Which is a fairly big percentage. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just it's just kitchen scraps. Right. So it's not even just like we're not picturing like big uneaten foods. Right. I mean, they do go into that, too, but it's mm-hmm. just kitchen scraps. It's like the tops of um, strawberries that you cut off. Yeah. Bits like of that. carrots that you don't use. Yeah. Peppers that you don't use. Mm-hmm. Um, Eggshells. Yeah. We had a watermelon the other day, so it's a big watermelon rind yeah. that we didn't didn't even use. Right. Um, We're contributing. We are, but there are ways to change and ways to improve. Okay. I'm excited so to hear about it. I'll lay them out for you. So your options include worm composters, a.k.a. vermicomposters, um, like vermin. And I got... I got these vermin? options. Yeah, vermin. Like rodents and cockroaches oh. and worms. Vermin. I didn't yeah. know that that's what it was called. Yep. Um, it's the most versatile, small, portable, fast. Um, it doesn't require turning because there's worms and they'll turn it for you. Um, and you can both buy worm composters and do it yourself okay so if you're into that um yeah you can if just, you're into worms if you're into worms scared of worms like some I of us just i was reading up on it and there's some really cool setups they include worm ladders oh which like just picture worms climbing up ladders and that's out of <laughs> nightmares so that's probably no for me but they've sold me on versatile small portable and fast and you don't require turning so you can just set your little wormies in the corner and they can go that's true you can just kind of forget about it like yeah yeah until you kick it over that is true and then they crawl out all over you (gasps) that's a problem for me (laughs) um but specifically, there's Worm Factory 360, mm-hmm. um, and it's designed for odorless composting as well. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So that is an option. There are other options as well. Yeah. Um, from what I saw, it looked pretty, not bulky, but it could be, fa- it's fairly tall. Okay. Um, because there's multiple levels. I think mm-hmm. you can also do one bin one big bin yeah with your worms um but that being said i don't know that would be research that one would need to look into if Mm -hmm. you decide a worm composter is for you yeah i don't think it's for me (laughs) that's okay there are other options oh also worms are temperature specific so they work well indoors or on a small balcony as long as the temperature is 40 to 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So where we're living in Utah, it would not be good. There's yeah. a short window of opportunity for them. Right. Because in the wintertime, we drop to negative temperatures. Yeah. 
frequently. At least the teens. Yeah. And in the summertime, I mean, today we're in the hundreds. Yeah. So, so yeah. So these worms, they would have springtime and maybe the fall. Yeah. To be outside. Right. And so. Other than that, they'd have to just be inside. Yeah. And from what I saw, it's a pretty bulky at least the one model that I saw. I'm sure uh-huh. there's other smaller compact bins that you could use. Yeah. But the the 361, it's in our, not saying for every apartment situation, but for our apartment situation, it would not be the best thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Good to know. Yeah. But there's other options. There are other options. Um, another one is a compost tumbler. Okay. Which I think they come in different shapes and sizes, but for the most part, they're big and bulky. So the recommendation was if you have rooftop space on your apartment complex and you can put it on like a rooftop patio, super great for that. Okay. Um, And what they do is they aerate and they mix the contents Mm -hmm. and in a minimum of 13 days, you can have your compost. That's so nice. Mm-hmm. As opposed so to weeks, months, years right. that the outdoor compost bins, compost areas we're talking about. Right. Just kind of the natural mm-hmm. production of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, they avoid pests because they're sealed. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't smell, but they are way too big for the inside. Okay. Though I have seen a couple that are a little bit more compact. Mm-hmm. Um but the downside is it's a little hard to keep adding. Right. You need to be taking things out gotcha. as well. Um, so that's a little bit of a, a difficulty mm-hmm. that you need to manage. Um, there's countertop food digesters and also composters, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and food digesters are different from composters. Um, they're about the size of a bread maker. Um, which or or a mixer. They're not. They're not yeah. huge. Um, yeah, like an instapot. Yeah, like an instapot. They're about yeah. the size of an instapot. I don't know anyone who has a bread maker. My mom has a bread maker. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. She used to make bread for us all the time. It's nice. Great. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So they're about the size of an instapot. Mm-hmm. Um. They're great for indoor planters and garden boxes. Um, and digesters can do things like avocado pits and bones. Oh, and they'll okay. break it down. Okay. But it's not really compost. It's more of like a fertilizer. Okay. Gotcha. From what I saw. Yeah. But um, you can still use it as a compost for like your garden. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But also, because I was thinking about, oh, you know, maybe that would be good for our apartment. Yeah. But... We don't have enough things for it. Okay. You know, like it would be churning up this fertilizer and we would have nowhere to put it. Right. Unless we wanted to bag it and sell it. Which we could do. Which you can do. Um, I guess now is probably the best time to talk about that. You can sell your compost. Okay, so there's an option. I did a quick search on Facebook Marketplace, Uh and people have listed their compost. Oh, so it it varies. It's probably up to your discretion. Yeah, um, and how much you have, and how much you're wanting to sell it for. 
um, and competing compost prices, I guess. But you can just list it on Facebook Marketplace. Um, Do you have like a general ballpark ballpark for how much it costs? I should have written it down. I saw the thing is, is I saw everything. I saw free to like 150 bucks. Oh wow! So. I didn't see quantities. I don't know how much this person who was selling it for 150. Yeah. I don't know how much they had, but it just it was all over the place. Right. So if you're wanting to sell your compost, mm-hmm. take a look and use your discretion, I think. Cool. But that was a really cool option. Yeah. Um you can I mean maybe we'll try this, but you can compost and then there's comp like compostable bags mm-hmm. um or compostable trash bags like you can find something to store it in mm-hmm. and just sell your compost in these compostable bags so oh. you don't need to worry about buying i don't know buckets tupperware right. bowls bags anything that you would put your compost in you can buy compostable trash bags and just Send it off. Send it out. Cool. I yeah. Love that. So we'll have to look into that. That's yeah. kind of neat. Yeah. Get your little side hustle going. Yeah. With your compost. So, yeah. Be a compost dealer. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'll be the plug for the neighborhood. <laughs> Come to me for your compost needs. Yep. Um, there's a couple more options. You can do a private collecting service. Um, so it's like with waste management. Um mm. They just have the big trash cans. Um, it, dark green is trash. Blue is recycling. And there's another one for um, compost material. Mm. So you can hook up with them or any other compost service in your neighborhood. Um, and you can just do a quick Google search. Composting Ooh. services near me. Yeah. It could be your local waste management services. It could be through the city. Um, someone could have set up their own side hustle of picking up people's compost and mm. you can pay. I saw one that was 10 bucks for a once every two week pickup. Cool. Or once a week pickup, 12 yeah. bucks for a every two week pickup. Um, and yeah, and they'll, they'll just take care of it. You can just keep your stuff in a bucket maybe bag it up for them in those compostable bags and they'll just pick it up for you wow that's way nice yeah there's also places that you can drop it off we mentioned um was it last week or the week before um farmers markets oh it was last week farmers markets i love farmers markets Mm -hmm. but a lot of them will take your compost and so you oh, can just bring it with you if you're going to go know. to the farmer's market that yeah. week. Um, unfortunately, our farmer's markets are not up and running this summer. Closed down due to COVID. Yep. Um, so that is off the, off of the list. But there is a compost yard nearby mm-hmm. where, for us. Oh, here? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cool. So they open up mid-March, uh-huh. and then they close down in December. Okay, um, good to know. And they're open on Saturdays, I believe, and so you can just take your compost up, and they'll take care of it for you. Wow. Yeah. Do you have to pay to drop it? Um, you do if you have 
truck trailers okay. full of things. But I don't think you have to pay if we're just taking our bags yeah. and buckets up. Good to know. But we do need to provide um, identification that we live where we say we live. Gotcha. So I don't want people coming from Colorado to... Yeah, that could be sketchy. Yeah. So <laughs> those people in Colorado, man. I know. But even worse, there's Washington people. I mean, yikes. <laughs> but it would be it would be pretty suspicious if a Washington person drove down to Utah to compost. Yep. Yeah. Very. You're right. Something's up. Something's definitely going on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, huh? I'm on board with that. <laughs> yep. I'm with them. <laughs> so, basically, yeah, you can just look and see if if they won't come to you, mm-hmm. and if they come to you, you probably have to pay them. But if yeah. you go to them, um, I think it's free unless you're dragging a big trailer with you. Cool. But it depends on the city you're in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so there are options for if you're in an apartment and don't have a huge garden outside, there's options for you to still be able to compost there's a ton of options and this week i think we're gonna look into composting here in our apartment yeah and we will we're actually getting ready to load off on a big road trip here and so we will look into it this week but we might not get it set up until we come back yeah but which might be like a month (laughs) so stay tuned yes but it'll be cool yeah it'll be really cool i'm so excited to get started yeah it's gonna be neat cool so i've got a problem okay what's your problem and a solution well i talked about it earlier um how one of my biggest problems and hang-ups with Mm -hmm. composting is the smell yeah um especially in an apartment where everything's just so close mm -hmm. yeah so actually if it smells bad you're doing it wrong oh yeah interesting your compost is supposed if it smells it's supposed to smell like dirt weird yeah so if it smells bad you've got a problem okay yeah so i didn't Right, so specifically good the problems. And bad news. Yes. Good news, you're doing it wrong. Bad news, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> good news, it's not supposed to smell. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't write specifically the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, there were specific smells, like if it smells like rotting, like fruit and vegetable waste you've got too much ammonia or something like that Uh um and then it listed a solution for Mm -hmm. that so i didn't write the problems but i did write the solutions so Um, it sounds like there has to be like a good ratio of paper to food right mm -hmm. so what if you are starting to you know say you're in an apartment like us and you're starting to fill up your bin too quickly what do you do? Like you're starting to fill it with... With food. With food. Um, do you just keep adding the paper? So I think 
it depends if you're trying to compost it down to fertilizer and soil. Uh-huh. You're going to need to have that um, that paper okay. to fix um, to fix that issue. Gotcha. But I think. In our situation, we don't really have anywhere to put the compost after it's been composted. And so I think for us, it would be a, a bit of a, like a collection. And then we'd bag it up and take it somewhere. Okay. Or find someone who could take it or somewhere that we could put it. Yeah. Or sell sense. it or something like that. Okay. If we wanted to sell our compost, then that would be an issue. I think we would need to be adding more of that paper right so if we if it's if we're trying to make it into more than food scraps we would need to be adding that paper okay but if we were just bagging and selling to get rid of it for someone else to take care of it yeah um or not selling just bagging and taking it to the compost places or taking it to the farmer's market they'll take care of it and gotcha yeah and it can just i think we can just deliver it as food scraps yeah Cool. So, I don't know. that Did that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it did. Okay. Yes. So, so, some of these solutions include some, f- um, what are they called? Composters have charcoal filters, uh-huh. um, but charcoal filters will keep the smell down. Okay. If you're, if you've done everything you can and you can still smell it, like you're a super sniffer and you just know... That it's smells bad. Right. You can get one with a charcoal filter mm. and that will keep the smell down a little bit. Okay. Um you can wash them often with bleach. Wash your filters. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And okay. there's removable liners as well. Okay. Basically, wash everything often with bleach. Yeah. You should be replacing things about every two to three days. Not necessarily oh. the filters. Yeah. Um, But, like, emptying your indoor compost every two to three days. Okay. And when you empty it, probably wash it down with bleach. Mm. Um, There's a couple composter bins that, can, that are dishwasher safe oh. and built to fit inside a dishwasher and so you could probably throw some bleach in there Mm. and just give it a solid wash um compostable bags instead of buckets you should replace every two to three days so you should be Mm. replacing them often enough that it shouldn't it doesn't build up Mm -hmm. so it shouldn't build up a stink but if it does wash things Wash things often. Wash them with bleach. Mm. Um, use those charcoal filters. Um, if you have a liner that can come out um, and you do wash it, wait for it to completely dry, to dry completely, um, because it'll stop mold and mildew building up mm. because you're creating an ideal environment for it. Yeah. And so you want to stop that right where it's at so i wish i knew a little bit more about the anatomy of these composters because i feel like i just threw a bunch of obscure (laughs) change the filters wash the liners and it's like well where what has filters what has liners where are the liners yeah but um i think as long as you just kind of keep those 
ideas in your mind, um, you should be good to go. Yeah. I think probably the best thing to take away from this is if it smells, there's a problem. Yeah. And you can kind of troubleshoot from there. Yeah. I think it's definitely nice to hear too. Like, I feel like we've talked about this. Living in an apartment is hard to be eco-friendly because, you know, you don't have the garden, you don't have like the space for compost and stuff, but it's nice to hear that you can do your own version of composting Mm -hmm. in an apartment. Yeah. And um, I feel like, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I'll just wait until I'm older and have a house or whatever, but we can start now just doing whatever we can where we're at, but yeah. Yeah. That was a good takeaway. I saw the cutest composter. It looked like this. It was honestly like the size of a coffee maker. Uh-huh. Um, And it, oh, it was so freaking adorable. It was on Amazon um, and it had this lid that came off uh-huh. and you could just put your food scraps in there. And I think it had charcoal filters. I would need to look a little bit more into that. Yeah. But it it advertised that it was odor free um and it just you just needed to replace things every 2 to 3 days um and you can easily you could keep it on the counter beside your mm-hmm. sink or because it's it is the size of that coffee maker you can just set it in the corner yeah. or even you could have it on the ground by the trash can yeah um it's not going to take up so much space that you have no idea what to do with it. Yeah. Which is super nice when you're living in an apartment because I feel like anything that you have in the apartment needs to be, you know, manageable mm-hmm. with the space. Yeah. Especially when you're living with other people. Yeah. It, you don't want your stuff to be cluttering. There's just, there just happens to be stuff all over the place. Right. Um, and so those, I think a composter that's nice and and easy, easy access for you, but also easy to stay out of the way. I think that's a golden seller. Yeah, I like it. Sweet. Yeah. Well, that's all I have. Cool. That was so nice to learn about composting because, you know, you hear about it all the time, but... I feel like it's kind of this far, unachievable thing, Mm -hmm. but we can start now. We totally can. Cool. Thanks for sharing. No problem. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I I mean, I have to. It's kind of part of the podcast. That's true. (laughs) Well, do you have anything else before we call it a night? That's all I have. If you like us, please subscribe to show iTunes or whoever that we are cool and (laughs) and that we deserve to have more listeners. So that's just one way that we can reach more people. And we just want to let everybody hear what we have to say, because I think it's really important for everybody to kind of hear about the environment and things that we can do for it. Um, in kind of a way, like we were saying earlier, that's not super scientific and just <laughs> easier for common folk like us to I understand. Think we're the farthest thing from scientific Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me with my ginger ale and my wine glass. Yep, that's it. <laughs> 
Yeah, so please, please, if you like us, please subscribe, like, comment, however that works. Um, just spread the word. Um, we really want to get out there and, you know, reach people. So if you believe in us <laughs> and, you, and you like what we have to say, please support um also you can always find us on instagram and twitter at g underscore for podcast um we've got some stuff up there already some cute pictures so go check us out um also on our facebook page at good girls go green and if you have any suggestions or um if you are somebody who owns a company that is sustainable um, or know somebody who does and would like to be on the podcast, we're going to maybe down the road be interviewing people um, on our podcast here. So if you have any of those, please send us an email at goodgirlsgogreenpodcast at gmail.com. That's all I've got for you. You got anything else? Nope. All right, we're going to sign off. Have a good night, you guys. Thanks for listening. You're the dummy that don't believe in science. Written on your forehead, always be denying. You're the dummy that don't believe in science. Written on your forehead, always be denying. Hey, hey, hey.